What's up, everybody? Keith Mitchell, editor-in-chief of the Outer Hang Productions here, and welcome to Spectator Mode. This is obviously one of the single podcasts that we do. Spectator Mode is a one of the Outer Haven's bigger gaming podcasts, but occasionally I like to do a solo act, and I don't get to do them very often during the week because of work, but I'm on vacation for the next couple of days, so I'm going to damn well take advantage of the time I have. And there's been a lot of talk recently regarding Google Stadia. Now, we've talked about it many times on the Outer Haven Spectator Mode. We've talked about it on a couple of articles. We talked about various other people. And it just seems like Google Stadia just keeps coming back to the forefront of gaming. Over the last couple of days, Google Stadia boss Phil Harrison has been, I wouldn't say having a string of bad luck. He's recently spoke to both GameSpot and also Your Gamer about two big things that will make or break Google Stadia. Uh, the very first one is about ISPs. And he basically, th- he thinks that ISPs will go ahead and accommodate the customer in regards to data caps. Now, I don't know much about Phil Harrison. I know he's a smart guy. He's been in the game industry for quite some time. And you would think he knows what he's talking about, right? But as somebody who's involved with IT, who follows technology, who follows how ISPs work and actually deal with them, you know that ISPs have data caps. A lot of ISPs have these really, really, really strict data caps. You got some that stop you at 100 gigs, some stop you at 500 gigs. There are some that move up to one terabyte and then they charge you for every gig over. And I don't understand why Harrison thinks that these ISPs are going to go ahead and accommodate the customer. He quoted, he said, um, ISPs have a strong history of staying ahead of customer trend. And if you look at the history of data caps in those small number of markets, and it's actually a relatively small number of markets, we have data caps. The trend over time when music streaming and download become popular, especially in early days when it wasn't necessarily legitimate, data caps moved up. With the evolution of TV and streaming, data caps moved up, and we expect that to continue to be the case. Now, part of that is true. That is true. When streaming became legit, ISPs did move up their data caps, but they kept the data caps in place. There is a small number of ISPs in North America that actually got rid of data caps completely. Files, Verizon being one of them. And I'm happy to say that I actually do have Verizon files and I have a no data cap and I have a really nice gigabit connection. Finally, uh, Google Fiber is also one of them. But as you know, Google Fiber is not available in all the countries and all the cities and all the areas in the United States of America. And from what I understand, Google Fiber won't be rolled out anywhere else. They've hit a, they've hit a, what's we're looking for? They've hit a, a hurdle. They and that's it. They're done. As last thing I heard from Google, or last thing that was reported from Google was no more Google Fiber. Okay, great. So what about people that have Spectrum and AT and T and Cox and all these other ISPs that have these data caps? In fact, before I start recording this, I opened up. I gotta find it now. There was a survey that was on. Here we go. Of all the ISPs that exist in North America as of July 1st, as of today, and all these ISPs have data caps. Netlink has a 200 gig data cap. Uh, let me take a look at here. Let me look at some of those smaller ones here. I did mention AT&T. They have up to a terabyte, which is great. We have one on here that's 800 gigs. I'm sorry, I'll take it back. 80 gigs. 80 gigs. Now, there are a lot of them that move up. They're at the 500 gig mark and above. You got to look at this. When people are streaming Netflix, when people are streaming Hulu, when people, look at that, there's nothing that popped up. No, let's close it out. When people are streaming other ways of getting content, gaming or video or Spotify or watching videos on YouTube, 
the data that they're using gets used up really, really quick. And even if you have a 500 gig data cap, that gets used up really quick. You think about it, the average person that consumes a lot of media, even on YouTube, will use anywhere from two to three gigs in a couple of hours. Especially if they're high resolution things. If they're watching 4K, if they're watching 1440p, 2K, or if they're watching just HD videos, that data getting used goes away really quick. So I'm not exactly sure why Harrison said what he said. I don't believe ISPs are going to be very happy to increase the data caps unless you're paying them a lot more money because ISPs are businesses, right? They want money. And for them to think that, oh, this is worth my while, we are going to have to pay them more money and then they will increase the data caps. Maybe. Google Stadia is not... It's not going to be that thing that's going to force ISPs to go, oh, we need to give people more data. No, not at all. Google Stadia is a niche product. It's not going to cater to everybody in North America. I would wait, I would wager to say that Hulu, Spotify, YouTube, Netflix are the big game changers. These are the ones that are going to force ISPs to change their data caps. Google Stadia, not so much, unless Google's making some kind of backroom deals with these companies. I would love to know what you think about that. But as far as I'm concerned, that's not happening. Google Stadia, it's just, this is just another one of the hurdles that this streaming concept from Google is going to have to get over. And it's going to be one of those that I'm not sure they're going to be able to to get past. Uh, Outside of that, they also talked about pricing for games. Now, I know this was a sore point for a lot of people when Google announced Google Stadia because they were asking, you know, how much are the games going to be? How much are the games going to be? Well, they finally came out and said that the games were going to be no cheaper than what you expect to get on an Xbox or a PlayStation 4, which I don't know why people expected these games to be any cheaper. I mean, if you look at the games across PlayStation 4 and Xbox One digital games, they're the same price as the games you go and you buy in a store. You know, $60, $50, $40. Phil Harrison has basically stated that these games won't be cheaper. And he even asked, I don't know why you would think it would be cheaper. And that's a question I would ask as well is, why would you think these games would be any cheaper because they're on Google's platform? They're, the publishers ultimately are the ones that decide how much a game is going to be. It's not up to Google. I mean, Google can probably offer an incentive, but at the end of the day, the publishers are like, well... We're selling it for $40 on the PlayStation. We're selling it for $40 on the PlayStation 4. We're selling it for $40 for the Switch. And we're selling it for $40 on the PC. Why are we going to give Google Stadia a break? And it makes perfect sense. There, there should be no break. Oh, huh, looks like there's a problem. And look, there goes my Google Home, even though I never asked it to say anything. Thank you, Google Home. Anyway, yeah, I, I don't know why people would assume that these games would be cheaper. But that's just another hole in the armor that is Google Stadia because think about it this way. So if we're paying full price for these games and these games can only be streamed and Google Stadia is a streaming only thing, what happens when Google Stadia is offline? What happens if our, our internet connection goes offline? Or heaven forbid, what happens if Google decides to pull the plug on Google Stadia? Say two, three years down the road, it's not working out the way they want it. And we all know that Google will pull the plug on anything that they don't deem is successful or is working out the way they want it. They've done it in the past. They just recently killed off their or their tablets. Uh, so we know they're good for that. 
And the question is going to be, do you want to give them $60, $50 for a game that you ultimately will never own? I mean, yes, there's that big discussion that you don't own digital games, whether it's on Steam or Epic Game Store or GOG, whatever. That's another topic for another day. But what happens if you invest in Stadia and you end up spending like $500 on games like Doom Eternal and Destiny 2 and Borderlands 3 and whatever, right? And Google Stadia is not accessible or, heaven forbid, it goes away. That money's gone unless they have some kind of deal with like Valve for Stream or or GOG or whoever. You literally just pay this large sum of money for games that you can't even download. These are streaming only games. I mean, if you look at Xbox and you look at Steam and you look at GOG, okay, I don't have a problem giving them $50 or $60. Okay, I do have a problem giving them that much money, but you get what I'm saying. I can still download those games and play them. I can play those games offline if need be. If I lose access to internet, I can still play those games. Google Stadia, if it goes offline, if there's an issue with Google's data center, if the backbones are offline or whatever happens, I can't play those games. That's going to be a really big point of frustration for a lot of people. And I know there were some conversations with people saying, oh, we can just play it on the Google Stadia device. And I'm like, you mean the Google Chromecast Ultra that can't play these games outside of streaming? That's a big issue. Again, this is where people are like, I don't think Google thought this out very clearly. I don't think they thought about access, losing access, prices of games, whatnot. And I tend to agree with these people. This doesn't make any sense. And I will go on record and say, and I've stated before, that I did purchase the Google Stadia Founders Edition because, again, we like to report on gaming and technology, and if we don't have access to those things, then we can't really report on it and say we gave it the benefit of the doubt. You just can't write about something or talk about something, and you don't have any access or any exposure to it because that's just bad journalism. That's just bad word of mouth, and it's not cool. And I know a lot of people think that doing so is. We don't think so here at Deata Haven, so we do have one coming also, another one of the staffers, Diego Perez, also has the Google Founder, Google Stadia Foundation coming. So we're both going to be playing this, offering up our own thoughts when we get our hands on this, which should be in November 2019. Yeah, Google Stadia, it just keeps looking like this thing is not going to have a place on anybody's shelving or, or people are going to really flock to this. They've got a lot of hurdles to get over. And, oh, man, the pricing, the subscription price, the data caps, only time is going to tell how this thing is going to do when it finally comes out. Uh, I really only really want to talk about that right now. I might talk about other things later on, but I'm going to you know, take this content slowly. Again, it's not very often I have a week off, so talk, talk about this today. Maybe something again tomorrow. We never know. Uh, that said, it is 4th of July week. 4th of July is this upcoming Thursday meaning we may or may not record the normal episode of the Spectator Mode podcast. It normally gets recorded every Friday at 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. However, we might be out for friends and family, so we may not record. We'll keep you we'll keep you posted if we do. If we don't, then have a great 4th of July. Parents, please, please, please keep firecrackers, keep fireworks away from kids. I've already heard about four different people having firecrackers, children exploding in their hands. And it's 9th of July. Parents, be responsible. Do not let little children have firecrackers in their hands or fireworks. It's just a recipe for disaster. Please watch your kids.
that's it, folks. Thanks for listening and watching. And we also have a bunch of amazing podcasts here at the Out of Hate. We have Nintendo Entertainment Podcast, which is nothing but Nintendo from people who love Nintendo. I mean, these guys literally eat, breathe, and crap Nintendo. You should check that out. We also have <clears throat> several podcasts devoted to uh, anime comics and manga we even have a new wrestling podcast not to mention the spectator mode podcast so definitely check us out here at yadahaven.net just go to our podcast section check them out i'm pretty sure you're gonna love everything that we have there and once again everybody we love feedback feedback helps us grow helps us change things we're doing wrong helps us go into the right direction and i've always said without you the listeners and the readers then we wouldn't have gotten to where we are today so feedback no matter how small no matter how big we love the feedback. Give us all the feedback in the world, all right? So thank you for watching listening. And if you're checking this out on YouTube, why not leave a comment? Maybe subscribe to the channel. And if you're watching this on Twitch or Audio Boom or Facebook, a like helps out as well. All right? Thanks for watching. Have a great holiday if we don't talk to you. And be safe out there. Oh, wait. Real quick before we go, guys and gals, you must play Bloodstained Ritual of the Night. I've already said I was completely wrong about the game. The game is amazing. Please check it out. If you don't play anything this week, Check this game out. Now you can go.